0: By purposely staying away from church, you send the wrong message to people who are lost and need to know about the Lord. This is a powerful reason for being faithful in church. We are continuing tonight to um, uh, look at the uh, series that we started uh, several weeks ago now, um, and it's on um, it's on how to live the victorious Christian life. So we began this series first and foremost with learning how to recognize sin. You can't live the victorious Christian life if there's sin in your life. Uh, sin runs contrary, it runs opposite to the Lord and to His will. It fights against what God is trying to do in our lives. And so, sin is not our friend, it's our enemy. It is what, uh, you know, damned our souls to hell. And uh, the Lord Jesus came to shed His blood to redeem us from that, right? So, uh, sin... We had to deal with that first and foremost. We learned to learn to recognize it, learn to repent from it, and learn to reject it. Whatever the Holy Spirit tells you uh, is sin in your life, and the Holy Spirit will use the Word of God to help you to know. Because sometimes we can wonder, well, you know, is this Sin or is it not? Uh, Some people believe that having a zipper on your clothing is worldly and therefore sinful. Well, is it? That's why we need the Bible to help us to to know the truth. And of course, the truth shall make us free. But uh, very important that we are always dealing with this subject. I'll tell you something. In my daily devotions, I'm always praying, Lord, cleanse me from anything worldly. And sometimes I know of worldliness that gets in my head, and sometimes I don't know. But I'm always asking the Lord to reveal to me and, and to uh, help me to, um, to get rid of that. Then the second uh, message we brought was all about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is so powerful, and He has all of the answers and, and all of the ability. Um, we have the privilege, as born-again believers... Of being filled with the Spirit. That means controlled, taken over, and controlled by the Holy Spirit. That will not result in wild living and crazy babbling talk. That's not the filling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when He fills us, it'll mean that Jesus will start living His life through us. And Jesus was very calm, cool, and collected. The Lord Jesus had power, He had answers. He, uh, he knew what he was doing. He had great desires to do the will of God. And the Holy Spirit will do that in us. And we have the blessed privilege of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Once, of course, we deal with sin, we can ask the Holy Spirit to fill us. But do you remember what it was that I said that is our greatest enemy to being constantly filled with the Holy Spirit? What is it? What is it? Anyone? Forget. Yeah, we forget. Did you remember this morning to ask the Lord to fill you with the Holy Spirit? Did you remember yesterday morning, Tuesday morning, to ask the Lord to fill you with the Holy Spirit as as you got up and got about your day? We forget. And that's our problem. Now, it's just a, a habit that that I have in my prayer closet every morning. And I like to have a prayer closet every evening too, sort of like bookends on the day, if you will. But when I get in there and I get to prayer, I always ask the Lord, you know, cleanse me of worldliness, fill me with the Holy Spirit. But I'll be honest with you, as I go about my day, and my days are usually busy, I'll sometimes forget to keep asking the Lord to fill me. It's a, a thing we have to deal with. And we have to try and find ways to remind ourselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So that was the second message that we dealt with. You can watch these online if you go to our website and go to media, and you'll find them there. Uh, We we put them up. Anyhow, then we looked at the subject of the Bible. You cannot grow uh, in the Christian life without the Bible. It is impossible. And don't let anyone tell you any different. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And Peter told us, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the Word, that ye may grow thereby. Um, It's vital that we consume the Word of God every day. And you would be very wise to try memorizing some uh, Bible verses. And if you don't know where to start, well, start in Psalm 23. That's a wonderful place to start. As you grow, the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you and He'll make verses jump off the page and you may want to try memorizing them. But having the Bible in you every day, take time in the mornings and consume the Bible. Very, very important that you consume a lot. I mean, you can gorge yourself on the Word of God. You really can. You fill yourself to the top and have it coming out your ears or something. Fill up, tank up every day on the Word of God. You cannot live the victorious Christian life without it. Then uh, we looked at, um, last week, we looked at the need for daily earnest prayer. I I mentioned last week that I have a two-semester Bible course that, that I've taught in our Bible college. And that's 24 lessons on the subject of prayer. And so last week, you know, I took a half hour and tried to teach something on prayer. You can't teach at all in a half hour. You can't teach at all in 24 lessons either. The world of prayer is so phenomenal. When you get behind the curtain, start to realize really what's out there, you won't want to go back. The greatest men and women of God down through the ages have all been great prayer warriors. Maybe they haven't been the greatest public speakers. Maybe they haven't been the greatest singers. But they've been great in the prayer closet. And that's what you want. You want to be great in the prayer closet. In fact, I believe that it's very smart, very good thing for parents... To sometimes leave the door open when they're in there on their knees so that their children can see them on their knees. That'll make lasting impressions. So keep that in mind. Um, If you want to make a good impression on your, your children, that'll last them. Let them see you on your knees talking to the Lord. That's something good. Well, tonight we're going to look at the fifth lesson. And that uh, has to do with regular church fellowship. I want to give you six powerful reasons why you need to to attend church faithfully. I'm going to give you six powerful reasons. Now, some people have the idea that the word church represents some invisible, universal, mystical body of Christ spread out all over the world. But I want you to know right up front, that's not what the Bible teaches. That is biblically not correct. The church is no more a universal, invisible, worldwide entity than a family includes all of the people in the world. If I talk to you about your family... You wouldn't think that I was talking about all the people in Africa, all the people in Asia, and all the people uh, in Australia. You'd think I was talking about your individual family. And that's what a family is. A family consists of the members of a single household that operate as a single unit. That's what a family is, and that's what a church is. This idea of a universal, invisible, spread out all over the world kind of entity is not biblical. A church is local. A church consists of the members of a local assembly that operate as a single unit. Just like a family. Just like a family does. And of course they have Christ as their head. A family has some form of membership. If a stranger walked up to you and said, Hey, what are we eating tonight? You'd say, Who are you? Well, I'm part of your family. No, you're not. And you'd be right. They're not part of your family. Because a family has some sort of membership. When you think about it, isn't that right? You're all looking at me like, I'm asking you a trick question here. There's no, there's no mystery in this. Usually, the members of the family usually come through the, the birth, normal birth process, right? And uh, Kate and Hugo are about to have another little member join them, another little mouth to feed. And that's how normally the members of the family come, although they can be adopted in as well. But for someone just to walk up and say, well, what's, what's for dinner? You got an extra chair for me at the table? I say, whoa, time out. You're not part of the family. A family has a membership. And guess what? So does a local church. A local family and a local church are very similar in very many ways. And that's how they function. That's exactly how they function. A family has some sort of leadership. And so does a local church. A family has a place they call home where they meet. And so does a church. You see, the word church means a called out assembly. It's an assembly where people assemble together. That's what the word means, a church. The word family is based on the word familiar. And it means someone very close to you, like blood relations, kinfolk, very very close to you. You see the the similarities between them? There is a lot, a lot more similarities. A family has some form of educating the children, and so does a church its members. A family grows together over the years in the bond of love, and so does a church. The idea of a universal church came originally from the Catholic Church. That's where it originally came from. In fact, the word Catholic, does anyone know what that word means? Universal, right? Or worldwide. That's what the word means. The church is not a worldwide invisible entity made up of all saved people. No, it's not. It's a local assembly, a called out assembly. They assemble. You see, where do they meet? There's a humorous story about a, a man who wanted to be a missionary, and of course he wanted support to be able to go places, and so he we went and sat down with a pastor, and he said, I'd like you to support me, I'm a missionary. And the pastor says, oh, he said, uh, well, that, that's interesting, um, what, what church are you a part of? And the man says, well, I'm part of the universal church, the invisible church, the invisible church. And so the pastor said, Oh, I see. And uh, who do you plan on ministering to? Oh, he said, I plan on, on ministering to the invisible body of Christ. And the pastor said, Well, and he turned and opened the drawer in his desk, and he said, Here's a bunch of invisible money to help support you in your invisible endeavors. A church is a local church body. It's local, with Christ as its head. And we're given a whole lot more in Scripture about it. But knowing that a church is local and not universal is not enough. You need to know more than that. We need to know why we should attend a local church. Why in the world? And so tonight, I want to give you six powerful reasons why you ought to attend church faithfully. Okay? So let's pray. Our Father, help us now tonight to enlarge our vision. Father, we ask that you would teach our hearts and minds some truth from your word and help us to see what you have to say in the Bible about church attendance, faithful church attendance. Because we cannot live the victorious Christian life without faithful church attendance. Father, I pray for everyone here, everyone watching online, that you would speak with our hearts. I pray for those that may watch this message weeks or months from now online. I pray that you'd touch their hearts and help us to please you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'd like you to take your Bible, if you would, please, and let's go to the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. And the first point, if you're a note taker. I want to give you these six points. And the first point is faithfully attending church is God's simple command. Faithfully attending church is God's simple command. Now with your Bible open, you brought your Bible. Yes. Amen. Mm, heard Three amens there. A couple of muffled something or others. Uh, Hebrews 10 and 25, I'm going to ask you to read out loud. You don't have to stand, but you, you do need to read. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So listen to the sound of your own voice, reading the Word of God. Verse 25, let's read now. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye see the day approaching. I believe it was the Apostle Paul who wrote the book of Hebrews, and I believe that for a number of reasons, but I'm not here to discuss that. But he is talking to Hebrew Christians, and he gives them this admonition that they're not to forsake the assembling of themselves. Remember what a church is. It's a local assembly. Of course, the devil doesn't want you reading the Bible. The devil doesn't want you praying, and the devil doesn't want you attending church. That is the devil's will for your life. If the devil had his way, he'd have you curse God and die. Put a gun to your head. Just get out of here. That's the devil's will. Because as long as you and I are around, particularly if we're Bible-believing Christians, we are a threat to Satan. Because the truth is what sets people free. And we're grounding our lives on the truth, on the word of God. To be honest, I I wouldn't give you two cents for a Christian life that's not founded upon the Word of God. Because if it's not founded on God's immutable, unchangeable Word, then anything goes. Anything grows. And in the Old Testament, one of the big problems they had, and you'll read about it a couple times, is that in those days there was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And the problems came in, the floodgates were open. We have the word of God that tells us right from wrong, and the Holy Spirit will use it. Anyhow, you need to go back and re-listen to that message if, if you haven't uh, uh, listened to it already. But here, we're told not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, so obviously some are doing it but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And boy, do we ever see it approaching in, in this day and age in which we live. The world is going crazy. We know Jesus is coming back and we need to encourage and exhort one another to be more faithful and regular in attendance. The word exhort means to stand out front and to, um, like to, to call out front, if you will, to a challenge, to a, to a high, higher standard, the standards of Christ. There's a lot of churches today that lower the standards to the world. And they say, oh, that's okay, you know, if you're having problems with sin, you just come on and bring your sin with you. There are some churches that give this impression, oh, that's okay, you know, if you want to dress like Satan, you just come on in and we'll just, you know, be one big uh, happy who knows what. And it's all right, no one's going to say anything about your sin or anything. Well, listen, in a good church... They preach the truth. And the truth sometimes deals with sin. Jesus preached more on hell than he ever did on heaven. People needed to hear that. The Bible always challenges us to come up to the standards that God has set for us. Not to lower our standards. That's Freudian psychology. Oh, you you poor little fellow there. It's all your mother's fault. Blame it on your mother. And so we'll just lower down your standards here. And unfortunately, that's what's happening in Christendom today. Now, I'm not saying that we're all to be, um, uh, I don't know, a bunch of legalists or something. I don't believe in that, that kind of thing. But I do believe that we need to live honest, humble lives according to what God has written. And here we're told not to forsake. Now, God's will is for us to be in faithful church attendance. Hebrews 10.25 is in the Bible. It's been there for 2,000 years. We can't get rid of it. That's God's will. Now, I want you to know something up front. The word forsake, when he says not forsaking, the word forsake means to utterly give up on. That's what the word means. Back during the days of COVID, some churches, not all, praise the Lord, but some churches and some pastors were saying that those of us who obeyed the government's uh, rules about uh, having to close down for a period of time, they were accusing us of forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. And they were standing upon that verse falsely. Well, none of us were utterly giving up on the church. None of us. We could hardly wait to get back together. That, so That's not forsaking. They were taking that verse totally out of context and they were using it as a weapon against the government. Anyhow, I'm not here to talk about that. But this word forsake does mean to utterly give up on. And people who quit church and don't go at all to church are in violation of God's command here in Hebrews 10.25. But people who only come to church occasionally are not technically violating Hebrews 10.25. However, they are certainly missing out on what could be theirs if they would come more faithful, more regular. They're missing out on all kinds of things. In the New Testament, the men and the women who prospered for the Lord were very faithful in their church attendance. Now, I want to suggest a key. Try this. It'll revolutionize the way you think. Because this is not the way that a lot of Christians think today. I want to suggest something that's totally opposite. 180 degree... Difference. A lot of Christians, they have the idea, well, okay, you know, I have my home and family, I have my job, my career, you know. Uh, anyhow, I'm going to fit the church in there wherever I can. And that's their, their plan, their philosophy. Well, I want to suggest 180 degree around that. I want to suggest that what we do is we build our life around the Lord's church. Try that. Try building your life around the church rather than trying to fit it in a little here, a little there, or some kind of add-on option or something. Forget that. The Lord Jesus died for the church. He loves the church. He shed his blood for the church. Guess what's important to the Lord Jesus? His church. And so let's build our lives around the church. And then everything else will try and fit in like as an option. You know, when you go to move away to Timbuktu or someplace like that, one of the first things you ought to look for is, is there a good, Bible-believing, soul-winning, mission-minded, independent church in that town of Timbuktu? And if there is not, then either maybe God is calling you to start one, or maybe God isn't leading you there to Timbuktu after all. Oh, but pastor, you don't understand. The money, the money I can make in Timbuktu. The money. God is not impressed about the money. It's no more that than the lotto. God doesn't want us messing around with the lottos. Oh, look, it's $30 million. Oh, Look, I just saw in the news that someone, one, I think it's one man in the United States, won their Powerball. And I believe that it's in the neighborhood of $2 billion dollars but i think the cash out prize is just under 1 billion so he's going to end up with 900 i don't know 87 million dollars you imagine that oh the money the money oh boy if only i could buy a, a winning ticket on the lotto oh just think of all of the wonderful good i could do now you don't understand that that money destroys people it destroys lives good good lives it destroys families I heard a cute joke down at the uh, uh, conference in Tacoma. One of the pastors, they, they told us a little joke. He said, a guy said to his wife, he said, what would you do if I won the lotto? And so uh, she looked at him and she said, well, I'd, I'd take half the money and I'd leave you. And he said, okay, well, I won $12, so here's $6, goodbye. People who come into inordinate amounts of money, they don't understand the devil's in that stuff. And all of the crooks and weirdos and every relative you never even knew existed is going to come after your throat. And it's not that they're going to come once. They're going to come multiple times. It's like paparazzi. They will not leave you alone. For the rest of your life, as long as you've got money, you are a target. And so many families have been absolutely destroyed and so many people have died. Because of the lotto. It's not God's will. So it's like Timbuktu. Is there a good church there? No. Well, maybe God's not called you to Timbuktu. Build your life around the church, and you'll see that the Lord will guide your steps. Well, we have to move on. Point number two. Faithfully attending church brings you more into fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'd like you to turn back to Matthew chapter number 18. Matthew chapter 18. And verse number 20. Matthew 18:20. I think the nursery is open, in fact, brother. Uh, Matthew 18:20. Are you all there? Yes. Yes, let's read verse number 20, Matthew 18, 20, all together. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. We thank God for our ability to be able to uh, broadcast our church services over the internet. It's a wonderful miracle to be able to do that. People who are uh, out of town, for some reason, they can tune in and watch the services. People who are sick... They can tune in and watch the services. People who are somehow strapped for time, you know, they, they, they just come off of a night shift or something and church is just starting and for whatever reason, you know, they can be at home and they can still watch the services. But you will not feel the presence of Christ. Because Jesus never promised to be in the midst of the internet of production, did he? He promised to be with his people. So this is very important. Jesus is in the midst of his people. And when his people gather together in church, they assemble. Remember, that's what a church is. There is Jesus in the midst. And that's why we feel such peace and home and comfort when we come together as a church, because Jesus is here. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Ephesians 2.22, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. The reason that the apostles grew so fast spiritually is because they lived daily with Jesus for three and a half years. And you and I will grow spiritually when we are faithful to church because Jesus is here. There's something special that happens when we get together at church with the Lord. And also something else is the fellowship that you receive in church will bless you spiritually and socially. Again, that's another benefit you can't get online. Listen, if all you can do is watch online, then do it. But by all means, get to church Assemble yourselves together every opportunity you can, because one day these 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 will be gone. These days will be gone. One day, take every one you can. You know, when we're young, when we're kids, we think, "Boy, I'm going to live forever." You know, boy, you know, and we see people that are in their 50s, and we say, "Ooh, they're so old. That'll never happen to me because I am still young." I'm made of steel and rubber. I'm so beautiful. I look in the mirror, you know, mirror, mirror. Who, huh, and, you know, they, they wink back at me. Boy, I'll never be old. And then one day, on their, in their 49th year, and 364 days, they wake up and they realize, oh, tomorrow I turn 50. It happens, doesn't it? Yeah. And then 60. Yeah. It happens, doesn't it? And then before you know it, 70. Just count down the days. I mean, it's going to happen. Unless the Lord comes back, or unless we die young, we're going to get old. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. The opportunities, the days of opportunity are going to be over. They will. Take advantage of everyone you can, every opportunity. If all you can do is watch online, then by all means watch online. And it's a wonderful opportunity to invite unsaved friends to watch online. We have people that attend our church who began by watching online. So it's a wonderful tool, and we thank God for it. But you're not going to feel the presence of the Lord Jesus online. And number two, you're not going to get the fellowship online online. Now, the fellowship is a very important aspect of gathering ourselves together. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says about the early church, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. You can only get that when you're gathered together under one roof, when the family comes together and assembles itself. Proverbs 27, 17 says, "'Iron sharpeneth iron.'" so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. You get that in church. You can't get that someplace else. Oh, why do I have to go to church? I can be close to God out in the woods. Have you ever heard anyone say anything similar to that? It's a dumb, dumb thing to say because they never go out into the woods. They never come to church either. They just can't get out in the woods what they can get in church. So I'm giving you powerful reasons. This fellowship helps us to mature. This is one of the benefits of fellowship is it grows us up, makes us more like Jesus. So listen to this. It helps us to stop thinking worldly ways and stop thinking stupid thoughts and stop saying stupid things and stop saying hurtful things and stop doing klutzy things and stop breaking people's hearts and stop putting a, opening our mouth just to ch- put our foot in it. It helps us to stop doing that. The fellowship helps us to mature. We love the children. We love them all. But boy, they act like kids sometimes, Right? Sometimes little children, they say things and, you know, it makes the parents roll their eyes. Oh, no. Out in public, you know, and little Johnny's there and he's about four or five years old. He looks around and he looks up at his mummy, and says, Mommy, this lady's fat! He doesn't realize what a bomb he just let loose there. Wow, you don't do things like that. So as he grows up, hopefully he matures and he he won't, you know, say things like that. We mature through different ways and fellowship is an important key to our maturity. It helps us to become more like Jesus. And it's something we can't get anywhere else except gathered together in the house of the Lord when we're in faithful attendance. Okay, quickly, number three. Faithfully attending church will give more benefit to your family. Not just to you, but to your family. Now, let's turn to the right and let's go to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. After the Gospel of John. There we go. Acts chapter 2. And I'd like us to read that verse number 42. Acts 2 and 42. Okay, everyone. Acts 2 and 42. Let's read together. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Boy, there's a lot of good things there. You're just not going to get out there what you can get in here. The table of the Lord, communion, is one of them. Uh, Baptism is another one, given to the local church. It's not given to the para-church organization. You go on a tour of Israel... Great, but please don't go there to be baptized by someone who you've never seen before with some group you'll never see again because that means nothing in the eyes of the Lord. Baptism is done God's way in God's house amongst God's people. So anyhow, it's mentioned there, but I want you to see what's mentioned also in verse 42 is the word doctrine, and that talks of teaching. And that's what we get in the local church. We get teaching. Now, we reap what we sow, and the more we sow, the more good seed we sow in faithful attendance, then the more we're going to reap from God. Now, I'll give you something that you're not going to get anywhere else except in church, and that's at 10 o'clock. At 10 o'clock during the Bible study. Here in this church, we are studying through the entire Bible. Starting at Genesis, and we're working our way right through to revelation and we've got a wonderful curriculum that we're using as our guide now here's the big thing because this point number three is that your family will benefit you have children bring them along put them in the 10 o'clock Sunday school class because they will get the same teaching that we adults will get here in the auditorium only they will get it taught at their level uh, last Sunday The adults were taught about Samson. The children were taught about Samson. So now the parents and the children can go home together and they can talk about what they learned in church. What a great way to help the children learn. And in a couple of years, we'll have taught through the whole Bible. Now how many children do you know have been taught the whole Bible? Genesis to Revelation? Wow, and you know faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You're not going to get that someplace else. You're going to get that here in the house of the Lord, in God's church. This means that it's going to help promote godly living in the children as well as in the adults. Moving on, point number four. Faithfully attending church is the safest place to be. Now, that may seem a little odd, but it's the safest place to be. Let's turn to the right, to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter number 3. 1 Timothy, chapter number 3. There's a a, a church cult, C-U-L-T, a church Christian cult that teaches... That the building, the church building itself, is going to fly one day to meet Jesus. And therefore all of the believers have to be in the building, in the church building. That's heresy. That's false doctrine. And yet so many people believe it because they're not being taught the Bible, nor will they study the Bible on their own. If they were to study the Bible on their own, they'd say, hey, wait a minute, something's not right here. They'd go and start asking questions, and of course the church leadership in that cult would tell them, you stop reading that, stop asking questions, you believe what we tell you, or get out. A lot of people have been thrown out of the Catholic Church for that reason. They go to see their, their priest with questions, and their priest says, you, you stop that, you, you know, you're going to be put out of the church. You won't get to the Mass you won't be allowed to come in, so you better stop that. And some people say, oh, yes, sir, yes, sir, and they stop reading the Bible. Others say, well, no, no, I don't want to know the truth. And so they end up getting kicked out of church, but they come to know Jesus. You know, that's what happened to the blind man in John chapter 9. Jesus healed his blind man. He ends up in front of the Pharisees. He says, well, come on now, tell us. Tell us how, how you uh, got your sight. And he says, listen, I told you, you know, this man named Jesus, uh, well, this man healed, healed my eyes. And so anyhow, they, uh, they, they called him names and they kicked him out. And that's when he met Jesus. And uh, then he believed on Jesus as Lord. Anyhow, never stop asking questions. A good Bible-believing church has no skeletons in the closet. It's got uh, no power struggles. We're all looking to know the truth. And a lot of people come up with a lot of good questions from reading their Bible. The Bible always has the answer. Now, we're in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And in verse uh, number 15 is what I want for you to read out loud with me. Verse 15. Let's go. But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. I want you to know that faithfully attending church is the safest place to be. It's safe because Jesus is here. It's safe because being here makes you strong. Purposely, missing church weakens a believer. It makes the believer weak. And a weak believer is susceptible to false doctrine. That's an important principle. Over the years, I have seen this happen more than once. Several times I've seen this happen to Christians who once attended this church. And when they started, they were attending all of the services. But within a period of time, six months, a year, what happened? They started to cut down their faithful attendance right down to the bare minimum. And we were only seeing them now once in a while. And that's what Satan wants because that's when Satan starts introducing false doctrine to them over the internet or through a friend that they'd happen to meet at work. And I've seen this happen more than one time. And some real weird kind of doctrine they got into and out the door they went. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth and putting a priority on attendance helps keep us safe because it makes us strong. Quickly, number five. Faithfully attending church. Now this is going to sound odd, but faithfully attending church pleases your pastor. Now before you go saying, oh, yeah, who cares? Wait. Wait. Hold your opinion. Let's go back to Hebrews, to the right, the book of Hebrews, chapter number 13. Hebrews chapter number 13. I know this may sound a little bit odd to someone here or maybe watching online, Someone might be thinking, well, who cares how the pastor feels, if he's happy or not happy? Why should that bother me? Why should that influence me in going to church? I'm not going to church just to make a man happy. You know, all these kind of weirdo thoughts that we think when we hear something like that. But I'm telling you, God has a hand in this. Hebrews chapter 13. Now, I want you to read verse 17 out loud with me. Hebrews 13, 17. Let's read Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable to you. Verse 17 is not talking about political figures. Verse 17 is not telling us to obey the mayor, to obey the prime minister. To obey the different statutes and laws and rules of Canada. That's not what verse 17 is talking about. Because the prime minister does not watch over our souls. The mayor does not give account one day for our souls. This is in a local church context. Remember just two chapters. three, uh, four, three, three, two, two, two chapters. I can't even count. Chapter uh, 10, verse 25, remember we read that? Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. The assembling, some kind of universal, invisible, you know, plasma all over the world cannot assemble itself together. But a local church can. Paul wrote Hebrews to the Hebrew believers, and he told them in chapter 10 to assemble together. Now here in verse chapter 13, he's saying, obey them that have the rule over you and submit. Just like we said, a family has leadership, so does a church. And a church is supposed to have a pastor. And a pastor is like an under-shepherd, according to the Apostle Peter. Jesus is the shepherd, a pastor is an under-shepherd. And here, in verse 17, the pastor is going to give account to God for how things went in the church. That's why no one should rush to be a pastor. Some people, this is true, some people sit in church and they look at the pastor and they say, wow, that's what I want. I want to be able to be in front of everyone and I want to have the, the spotlight on me and I want to have everyone listen to me for 30 minutes. I want to have everyone to you know follow me and shake my hand and say, well done, great, great sermon. That's, that's what I want. No, you don't. No, you don't. You set yourself up for a huge fall if you do that. If the Lord calls a man to be a pastor, that's different. The Lord called me to be a pastor back in 1975. A few months after I got saved, the Lord was calling me to full-time service. And I really didn't understand what he wanted to do with the likes of me. I was a wreck. And yet that's what the Lord was looking for. He was looking for a train wreck that he could put back together and that he would get the honor and the glory. And you all know my story and how I ended up in the ministry and so on. But getting back to Hebrews 13, verse 17, this may sound a bit odd, but your faithful attendance at church will make me glad and happy. You say, well, what does that matter? Here's why it matters. Because one day in heaven, Jesus is going to call out, Pastor Steve White, stand up. And I'm going to stand up. And the Lord Jesus is going to say, Give an account. Tell me how those people did in your church. Look at verse 17 again. It says, They must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that, the grief, that is unprofitable for you. I didn't write it. I'm just telling you what's in there. But a powerful reason to be a faithful church attender is because it makes your pastor happy and glad so that one day when he speaks to the Lord Jesus on your behalf, he can do it with joy. And he can say, oh, Lord, that man, that woman, what a joy they were to pastor. Oh, That was absolutely just pleasure. Thank you for sending them into my church. Your faithful church attendance will help me one day to give a happy, glad account of you in that great day when we stand before Jesus. That's something interesting, isn't it? All right, I've got to quickly finish up here. I'm going to give you point number six. I told you I had six powerful reasons. Well, here's number six. Faithfully attending church maintains a good testimony to the unsaved. Now for this, I'd like you to go back to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 5. If you'd kindly go there, chapter 5. And I'd like you to read one last verse of the Bible together with me, please. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Verse number 16. Let's read together. Here we go. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Your personal testimony to the world around you is something the Lord wants to use as a powerful tool to reach lost people. Lost men and women need to know how real Jesus Christ is to you. Because, you see, to them, Jesus Christ is nothing. And if in your life Jesus Christ doesn't look much better, then you don't have a testimony. That's why we have light and darkness The world is in darkness. God's people are in light. And when the light comes, the darkness says, I've never seen anything like that before. Your lost friends, your lost family members need to see how real Jesus is to you. How important He is to you. Because he's, He's not that important to them. To them, money is more important. To them, pleasure is more important. To them, sports are more important. That's why they'll never go to church on Super Bowl Sunday. What are you, nuts? That's Super Bowl. Or if there's some big Hollywood blockbuster movie coming out, that's where they're going to be. They're not going to be found faithfully in the house of the Lord. And the world needs to see a difference. Your personal testimony can impact a lost person like putting a stick of dynamite under them. At work on Monday morning, you know, in the lunchroom, they're saying, well, what'd you do on the weekend? What'd you do on the weekend? And then they come to you. What'd you do on the weekend? And you said, man, I went to the greatest, the greatest gathering that I've ever been in. Oh, what was that? Oh, I'm telling you, people, people, their faces were beaming. Well, come on, tell us what it is. Oh, and there was singing too. I I forget, I forgot to tell you. Man, we made the rafters ring. Where is this place? I went to my church on Sunday. Had the greatest time. I really felt the presence of the Lord. Well, after that, you could hear a pin drop in the lunchroom. And from then on, they're going to be watching you. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Because you've made an impact. You've let your light shine before men. And someone out there is going to want that for themselves. Now, maybe, you know, nine out of ten of them are going to say, ah, phooey. But one of them is going to come to you at some point and say, "Uh, do you think you could pray for me? I'm going through a rough time. And there's your open door. Lost men and women all around us. Sadly, people still make decisions based upon what they see. You know, judging a book by its cover, you've heard that expression. And sadly, people do it. We all do it. I guess maybe we always will. By purposely staying away from church, you send the wrong message to people who are lost and need to know about the Lord. This is a powerful reason for being faithful in church is because of the good testimony that you will give to your lost friends. But it's not just your lost friends, your children as well. And at home, when they see you, you know, saying, Oh, man, it's Sunday. Oh, it's so beautiful out. Oh, wouldn't it be nice to go to the beach? Who wants to go to church? Anyone? Who wants to go to the beach? Anyone? Anyone? And you will teach your children for the rest of their lives that church is not important. In one breath, you will have destroyed what it sometimes takes years to teach and build up. You don't want that on your conscience. You never want to be guilty of that. Your children will learn from your example far more than they'll ever learn from your words. So the question is, Is the light that you are sending forth, is that light a good light or is it kind of murky? Is it kind of dull? Imagine this room here without the lights on, how dark it would be. Uh, Who's up there in the sound booth? Can you know how to turn off the new set of lights? Now before you do, before you do, This is what the auditorium used to be like before we had the new lights put in. Okay, turn off the new lights. Now turn the new lights back on. Do you see a difference? Quite noticeable, isn't it? Now these lights up here, you know, you wouldn't see much difference on me. But trying to read your Bible, trying to read your hymn book, the light that you are sending forth, is it bright or is it a little murky? I've given you six powerful reasons why you ought to be faithfully found in the house of the Lord. I hope that some of them will find a home in your heart. Because remember, we cannot live the victorious Christian life if we forsake, if we are not faithful in God's house. Let's pray. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.